Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. If you would go with me to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. I want to talk to you today about in review. In review. And... um. It's important that we don't grow to a place in God's word where we can no longer hear what we once heard. It's important that we keep God's word in front of us. And there's always this balance you know, I talk to a lot of pastors and other ministers. I'm a learner. I like to grow. I like to glean from other people. This past week, my wife, were, my wife and I were away in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the uh, Bible school and ministry that I graduated from 16 years ago. We were, or I was, my wife didn't attend. She was married into the Rama family, if you will, and if you're not familiar with Rama, uh, a man by the name of Kenneth E. Hagen was born in the early 1900s. Chris, I don't know, was that 1916, 1918? So you knew him? You, you, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Pastor Chris will run circles around some of you young people, so better watch out. But um, Kenneth E. Hagen was born with an incurable blood disease, given up to die at the age of 16. By faith, received his healing. Immediately began ministering the word as initially as a pastor, went on the road as an evangelist and taught the word. Eventually, in 1974, Rama Bible Training Center was born. And um, as we learned this past week, over 81,000 alumni Graduates now around the world, over 260 Rama Bible colleges around the world, over 5,000 Rama churches around the world, and you're sitting in one of them. And um, just an incredible impact that Rama has made. And so my wife and I this past week were getting filled up, stirred up. And, you know, we connect with a lot of ministers, connect with a lot of individuals that are in ministry. And um, like I said, I like to learn, like to glean, like to grow. If you're not growing, you're dying. Anything that's not growing isn't moving forward, it's falling back. You never stay the same, you never stay idle. And so you always want to keep yourself in a position. But in growing, uh, you know, one of those conversations that we have is how do you, how do you, how do you pastor a church where you've got you know, young believers and mature believers, those that have just started walking with the Lord, walking in faith, and those that have been around the word for so long, how do you, you know, how do you target the word? And ended up in a conversation at lunch one day with uh, some other pastors and ministers, and this conversation came up, and I said, you know, sometimes I think we, sometimes I think we work too hard at that. You know, the Bible says, that the word of God can be milk as unto a baby, 
When a baby's first born, you cannot give a baby steak. Isn't that right, Jason? We're not, we're not there yet. Are we on the mushy stuff? Yeah, we're, we're up to the, we've, we've uh, promoted to the mushy stuff now. But, you know, when she was first born, you're on milk. And uh, the word can be milk as unto a baby, but the Bible also encourages us. Paul encouraged the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You ought to be able to grow to where you can tolerate the meat of the word of God. And as we mature, but, you know, I, I felt the Lord impress upon me that sometimes we work too hard to determine, is it meat or is it milk or is it meat? Is it the milk of the word or is it the meat of the word? And are we watering it down for those that are mature or are we going over the heads of those that are still young and in the word? And this, this is the thing, is I pastor this church and I may stand here before you and prepare messages week in and week out and hold this microphone, but I'm not that smart. Uh, and especially as our church grows, uh, to be able to hit every target market that's in this congregation now and as we grow, what it becomes. But there is one called the Holy Spirit. And he knows exactly what you need. And regardless of what level of walk you're in and regardless of how long you've been with the Lord, and this year, if it's your first time hearing the word or your thousandth time hearing the word, it's fresh, it's new, it's alive, it's active, it's powerful, it's life to your bones, it's health to your bodies, it's medicine to your souls. It can minister to wherever you're at. I don't know how many times after a message I'll walk out of here and somebody, at least one, will approach me and say, I don't know how you do it, Pastor, but that was for me. I don't know how you do it. You've been reading my mail. You've been in my closet. You've been looking at my Facebook page. You've been checking out my stuff because that message was on point for me. And I said, I'm not that smart. I can't be everywhere at once, but there's one that is the Holy Spirit. He knows what you need in the season you're in, and he knows how to get it to you. And so that's how we do it. And so this, this subject that I want to talk about today, and I don't know, you know, if it'll be a, a series or if we'll stay on it for a little while, we'll just get started and see where we go. But in Joshua chapter 1, Starting with verse one, it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. So what we see here initially is what we would call a transition into a new season, right? And we recognize that our lives are... Uh, progressive and our lives are in seasons and, and there, there are times where things die or things come to a completion or, or, or things transition it might be a physical transition like moving to a new location, starting a new uh, uh, job, attending a new school, uh, maybe getting married, uh, maybe having kids. There's, there's seasons uh, that we progress to in life, And so here uh, we have a season where Moses had led the people of Israel out of Egypt. We know that they stalled out 
in the wilderness and for 40 years were just wandering in circles in the wilderness. God had called them to inhabit the land of Canaan, but because of their unbelief, disbelief, grumbling and complaining, uh, they were unable, not because of God, but because of themselves, unable to inhabit the land that God had promised them. And so now here, Moses is dead. A season has come and gone and has changed and we're moving on. And so now Moses is dead and he's speaking to Joshua, the next in command, we're passing the baton, if you will, passing the torch, handing it off to the next person. Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Everyone say arise. arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And every place that the soul of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, look at this, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Now watch this, this is where we want to, want to hone in on here. We want to highlight this. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. It's interesting to note that God here in this passage is again transitioning his people. He's now gotten them to a place, uh, you know, where honestly uh, what was hindering them had to die off. And, and, and what was keeping them out of the promised land had uh, to just be eliminated and be removed. And so uh, the individuals that came out of Egypt were not able to go into the promised land, but it was given to their children. You know, sometimes to get to the next season where God has called you, some things have to die. Some behaviors, uh, some attitudes, um, maybe some people. And I don't mean that the people literally have to die, but maybe you have to eliminate them. Maybe the things uh, 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 that, that you think you can take into the next season are actually keeping you from the next season. And so anytime that you are looking to transition or anytime you're looking to, to move into the things that God has called you to, there's always this question, uh, what do I need to add and what do I need to subtract? What do I need to add and what do I need to subtract? What do I need to add into my life? What do I need to put into practice that maybe I didn't have in practice before? 
Uh, maybe I need to surround myself with people that I didn't surround myself with before. But also, what do I need to eliminate? What do I need to remove? What, what cannot go with me? What am I trying to drag in that is keeping me out of where I'm trying to go, where I know God's promised me and his promise is sure. He will not forsake me. He will not abandon me. Abandon me. He's made a promise, but to move into the promise, I, I've got to add and I've got to subtract. I've got to bring some things into my life, but I'm, I might need to remove some things from my life. And then the thing that I want to highlight here that we just read in verse seven, he said, be strong, be courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. There's this, idea, there's this concept that new seasons mean new instructions. But what we're seeing here is that's not necessarily always the case. And to move into a new season, you have to begin with what you already know. That sometimes you enter the new season with the same instruction. And this is the thing, you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of people and get approached with the overwhelming question of, you know, what is God's will? And maybe you even begin to sense a change and maybe you even begin to sense that God is stirring something maybe within you. And um, I, I, I've learned as I've grown older that the answer to this question actually gets very easy. It gets much easier. I can talk to a, a 70 or 80 year old mature individual that's been around some things, seen some things, experienced some things, and, and they don't struggle with this question as much as maybe the, 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 the 20 or the 30 year old. Because we, we tend to have this idea that to go into something new that God is moving us into, I've got to do something new and I've got to hear something new. And so then we start putting our ear to the ground and, you know, hearing and hearing and, and, and this whole thing of, you know, what, what, how, how do I enter this new season? How do I walk out the promise of God? And, 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 and it, there must be something different, but the answer is really simple. Keep doing what you know to do. And it really boils down to this. You always know what to do. No, you may not know where you're going to be in the next year, and you may not know what exactly you'll be doing uh, five years from now, and you may not you know, even know how you're going to get there. But you know what to do right now. You know what to do. You keep doing what you know to do. And sometimes it's not about knowing what to do, it's about doing what you know. And when you do what you know, then you will know what to do. Anybody with me? You got to stay with what God has said. And so I, I, I instruct people now and I tell people now, keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, my life is a product of this. 
as I've progressed in ministry, I remember coming out of Rama, 2003, graduated in May and in uh, September of that year, abruptly, uh, I mean, within a matter of, of five days, uh, moved from Tulsa, Oklahoma, back home to Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, my dad was in the Air Force. He was a reservist at that time, but because of 9-11, uh, they were calling everybody. And so um, we're living in Fort Worth, and then all of a sudden he gets a phone call. We need you in Afghanistan. And we're like, do you know what I do? I'm not that important. But they needed him in Afghanistan. And so I remember my dad calling me. And, uh, you know, I wasn't that far from home, but my mom w- was at home by herself. My brother had already uh, moved on out of the house and was off doing his own thing. And I was in a position that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here in Tulsa. I'm hanging out. I've already graduated, finished Bible school. I mean, I, was, uh, I had actually enrolled uh, in some classes at a local community college. Just, you know, I knew that I needed to be busy doing something. Just get busy doing something. They told us that in Bible school, it's uh, difficult to steer a parked car. Sometimes we park in prayer. And prayer is great. And prayer is amazing. And prayer is powerful. Uh, And the way I put it is prayer uh, isn't the only thing you can do, but it is the first thing you should do. But then from prayer... I need to come out of prayer ready to take a step and ready to do something. It doesn't stop with prayer. Well, Lord, I'm praying. Well, what are you doing? And so I just kept doing what I was doing, serving there at Ramah and started taking some classes. I went to class two days. Tuesday, I only went to school on Tuesday and Thursday. And so went to class Tuesday. Went to class Thursday. Friday, I get the phone call. And by the following Friday, I'm back in Fort Worth. And um, so now I'm, you know, my my, my world, I guess, has just been rocked. My plans, many are the plans in a man's heart. It's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And so what do I do? Well, do what I know to do. Get in a church somewhere and get busy doing something. So I went back to my home church, got connected there, playing drums and, and, and serving and doing whatever I can, cleaning up and calling people and, uh, you know, just whatever they allow me to do, just serving again. But now I really don't have any clue where we go from here. And so I went back to school, started community college again, back in Texas. And, um, so I'm going to school, a little bit of community college, didn't get anything out of it. I can't help you outside of ministry. I've got one semester under my belt and I, I don't even, I don't know if I passed it to be honest with you. I don't really remember much of it. Um, so, uh, you know, just serving and an individual by the name of Marcus Kreiner, I had met at Bible school. We played music together. Uh, let's see, this was September of 2003. So April of 2004, uh, he IMs me. Anybody know what I mean? Instant messenger? Have any instant, instant messenger people? <laughs> no, didn't text me. We didn't have that. 
My flip phone didn't have texting. And uh, so I remember on Instant Messenger, AOL Instant Messenger, America Online. You know, that whole thing. And uh, get a message. Hey, I'm going to St. Augustine, Florida. My youth pastor is starting a church in St. Augustine, Florida, and I decided he was still at Rama. He was a year behind me, so he was finishing up. And uh, so in April, he decided, he graduates in May. In April, he decides, I'm going to go out there and be a worship pastor for a brand new church. And um, he said, you should think about coming. I think it was selfish. It was really hard to find drummers. I think he was just looking for a drummer. <laughs> that was it. And uh, so, uh, in fact, it was the week after, and, and I almost didn't even want to talk to my parents about it because it was the week after my dad got back from Afghanistan. He had just gotten back home. And um, so I was like, I don't, I don't think my parents are going to be excited about me moving halfway across the country. I just got back here from Bible school. They just got back. And so I was a little tense about it. And I said, I'm just going to sit on it for a couple weeks, pray about it, keep doing what I'm doing. I didn't stop doing anything. Keep doing what I'm doing. A couple weeks goes by. And I said, you know what? I, I think it'd be a great opportunity. I'm going to bring it up to my parents. Not that they control me, but, you know, I want to be a blessing to them. And, um, you know, I'm turning 21. I'm 20 years old at this time. And uh, so I go out and say, hey, I just want to tell you about an opportunity that just came up. Uh, Marcus just asked me if I'd be interested in moving out to St. Augustine, Florida with him uh, to help his youth pastor launch a church. It's actually already started. They started a couple weeks ago. And, um, you know, he's moving out there after he graduates. And so I think that, I don't know, I just feel on the, on the inside, maybe that's something I should do. And they were excited about it. <laughs> no pushback whatsoever. I was like, you don't want me here? Let's, let's go on. <laughs> You're not as loving as I thought you were. Okay. But no, they were overjoyed. They were like, man, that's, that's awesome, you know. And, you know, you'll, you'll get to be a part of a church from the ground up and, uh, you know, get to see a church plant. You're going to learn a lot out there. We, we, that's, that's awesome. And so I was supposed to move out there right after my birthday in May, right after Marcus graduated, but I had to get my wisdom teeth out. So I lost some wisdom. <laughs> Called Pastor Earl and told him I'm not bringing as much wisdom as I thought I was, but whatever you can get out of me. And uh, so I had to get my wisdom teeth out. And so that delayed me by a month. But July 4th weekend, I picked up and moved to St. Augustine and uh, did that, moved there. Didn't really know, you know, again, didn't have a specific role. There's no paycheck. Remember, I, I got there on a, a Friday night Saturday was kind of a free day. Sunday was actually July 4th, and we did a big uh, fireworks outreach there at the fort in St. Augustine. And uh, then Monday, I went looking for a job and uh, went and put in some applications, but one place hired me on the spot. 
They said, you can start tomorrow. Bubbles car wash. And my dad, my dad drove me out there. Him and I, we took our trucks and he pulled a trailer and I pulled a trailer. And, uh, you know, we drove all the way out there and he left me with $300. He gave me $300 cash and said, this is all you got. (laughs) Figure it out. So knew that wasn't going to last very long. I was living with Pastor Earl Marcus and I were living in Pastor Earl's home. And uh, so, you know, I had to find something. So I took it, worked at Bubbles Car Wash for two months and then uh, ended up working in a pharmacy. Then I ended up working in a bank. Then I ended up working in a bank and a pharmacy at the same time, pushing drugs and giving people money. I mean, it was (laughs) the best combination you could ask for. You don't want to mess with people's drugs and you don't want to mess with people's money. So actually kind of stressful. And, uh, but did that for several years and uh, met my wife two weeks after I moved there, met her. We began dating later that year, got married a few years later. And um, again, just putting our hand to the plow. I, I, I didn't go out there with a timeline. People do that. People do that to me. Uh, you know, I think we'll be out here about two or three years. Okay, so you've already got an, a conclusion in mind. We haven't even started yet. I, I wasn't going to do that to Pastor. I told Pastor, I said, I'll be here as long as you need me, what, 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 whatever. Let's just see what God does. I was only 21 years old, but I, I have more sense than to put a timeline on what God was going to do. Sure, in my mind, I, I, my mind, and, and, and Pastor Earl would tell you that I went in there thinking I'll be here for a period of time and I'll go back to Texas. I always wanted to, to start a church in Texas or pastor in Texas. I wanted to live in Texas. I still want to live in Texas. To this day, I love it. I'm a Texan. I, I want to live in Texas. But just doing whatever God would have me do. And then one day, one thing leads to another. And every major moment in my life didn't feel major in the moment. The significant moments of our lives are actually very insignificant in the moment. It's just a decision. Like that one afternoon on Sunday afternoon, we're playing flag football. And I'm just sitting on the grass watching a game. And Pastor Earl walks over and sits down next to me and says, we would love to have you and your fiance at the time, Ashley, serve with our two and three-year-old kids. And on the inside, I said, absolutely not. But for some reason, my mouth said, yeah, love to. (laughs) I'm like, what did I just get myself into? I had no interest in working with kids. I didn't tell Ashley this, but I had no interest in having kids. I'd never been around kids. My brother was 14 months younger than me, and so I'd never been around young kids. Kids, I, I didn't know how to act around them. I didn't know what to do. I, it was kind of a mutual thing. You don't bother them, they don't bother you type thing. But I had no idea that saying yes in that moment, how significant that would be. That propelled us into becoming children's pastors and Pastor Earl uh, asking us if we would be interested in being children's pastors. And I know for a fact, if I hadn't taken that position wouldn't be where I'm, in, at where I'm at today. If I wouldn't have said yes on that flag football field, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. 
and wasn't on my hands and knees saying, God, send me a sign. Show me something. What's the next step? What's the next thing? I just kept doing what I knew to do. Then became children's pastors, and we did that for uh, a little over three years, about three and a half years, and then Valdosta came up on the map, and Again, I, I wasn't looking for a change, wasn't looking for a transition. We were loving it, man. We were blowing and going with, the, uh, with our children's ministry. We had about 75 team members that were uh, serving under us. And then, then we were specifically leading the kindergarten through fifth grade class. And man, I had, you know, this was 2010, 2011. I had events. I had curriculum for the entire year, uh, leadership stuff. I mean, we were just blowing and going. We had it all ready to go. I wasn't looking for, to move out. I wasn't saying, God, I'm tired of this. I want something different. I want to go somewhere different. I was just busy doing what I was called to do. If you don't know what to do, just do what you know. And then even, you know, today, I don't entertain. I, I remember I went and ministered for a friend of mine in Texas. We had, we had just moved here in 2000. 13, 2014, probably something like that. And uh, only been here a couple years. And, you know, I had shared with him kind of my testimony as I just shared with you. And he's like, you think you'll ever come to Texas? How long do you think you'll be there? And I said, I don't, I don't ask those questions. I said, in fact, the longer I'm there, the longer I believe I'll be there. And to this day, I, I don't have an end in sight. I don't, I don't have those conversations. God will do whatever he needs to do and he'll lead me wherever I need to be. And I don't have to even ask. I don't have to be on my hands and knees, even if I'm sensing something, even if, if something tries to come up and, 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 and those kind of things. And this is the thing that I've learned too about seasons and transitions. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm not prefacing anything, by the way. Just go ahead and get that out of your brain. I'm not setting you up for anything. I'm here. But I've learned this, that many times when it feels like it's time to go, you should stay. And many times when you feel like you should stay, it may be time to go. That many times what I'm saying is God doesn't consult your situation before he gives you a, a move or a new direction. But so many times I, I, I see people use natural factors to determine, well, the grace must be lifting. It must be time to move on, must be time to go, must be time to transition. No, it looks more like you just want to run because things are in decline. And in John chapter 10, the Bible actually tells us that uh, the shepherd stays with the flock in times of trouble, hirelings. Uh, get out when it no longer benefits them. And we're actually going to be teaching about that soon. But in these seasons and in these moments of transition or uh, the way that God operates, um, he will have you take steps in what you already know to do, being faithful, being consistent, being dedicated, being committed to something before he uproots or changes or moves. And, you know, many times I see people uproot before they ever even get planted. You know, it's much easier to pull up a seed than it is a tree. 
And, um, you know, many times people don't outlive the honeymoon season. What I mean is there's that initial season where everything's good. Everything's great and everything's going. It's like, yeah, man, this is awesome. But I want to see what people look like when challenges start showing up. Let's see how faithful and dedicated you are when, when something, uh, you know, uh, begins to approach and when it would be easy to take the step and walk on, move on, run on, uh, you know, make a change and that sort of thing. And uh, so what we're recognizing here and what God is showing Joshua is I'm bringing you into a new season. Moses, my servant, is dead, but I'm asking you to follow the same command I gave him. I don't have anything new for you. I don't have new instructions. I don't have a new word. I don't have a a new prophetic utterance. I see people chase around prophetic words, chase around ministers. Got to get a word from God. Got to get this, got to get that. And he's saying, nope, follow the command. Observe to do according to all that Moses, my servant, commanded. Well, what about me, God? I I need a command. I need something. That's that's what you told Moses, but now you're sending us. I need, no, no, no. You keep doing what you know to do. And before you know it, you'll know what to do. You'll know what comes next when you stick with what you know. And so this is the thing, is we usually give great weight and great emphasis to the first time we hear something. But what we're seeing here is that God's review is equally as important as his revelation. I'll say that again. God's review is equally as important as the first time he revealed it. When God calls you to remember something, recall something, to look back at something, It's just as important as the first time you heard it and the first time he spoke it and the first time he directed it. We're the ones that don't put the same weight on what we recall as what was revealed. But God doesn't have a different level of, it was this important when I first showed you, now it's just about this important since I'm bringing it back up. No, God says, if I bring it back up the second, third, fourth, fifth time, it's just as much uh, uh, weight-bearing and responsible as the first time I revealed it to you. God's review is equally as important as his initial revelation. So new seasons don't always come with new instructions. And sometimes you have to look back to move forward. I said, sometimes you have to look back to move forward. And I don't mean looking in the rearview mirror, oh, I wish it could be like that. Oh, I wish, uh, Paul said that I'm pressing on towards them or I forget that which lies behind. There are things that you have to forget and there are things you have to let go and there are things that you'll have to shut down and there are things that you'll have to walk away from to get to where God is taking you. But there are things also that God will call you to look back on. God will bring back to your remembrance. God will show you things that, that, that 
in this season, you need to remember how he did this. You need to remember how he brought you through. You need to remember how he opened up that Red Sea. You need to remember how he brought water out of a rock. Birds were feeding you dinner. Manna was on the ground. I delivered you from the hand of your enemies. I went before you by fire and through in a cloud by day and a fire by night. I am here with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. If I did it before, I'll do it again. It's what he says. And sometimes we've got to be more responsible with remembering. I mean, we've all heard the excuse, probably given it a few times, a man's number one excuse for failure or not getting something done, I forgot. Oh, I, I, I forgot. I forgot, Pastor Mark. I, I, I forgot to turn that in. I forgot to do that. I, I forgot that was required. I, and, and forgetfulness, forgetting has always been, uh, man has always had a problem with forgetting. Always. So God wants us to remember some things. Let me look at some verses real quick. They're on the screen behind you. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. If you're not taking notes, you can write them down. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. <laughs> got to take notes. A lot easier to remember when you've written it down. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful, it says. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It's living and powerful. One translation says it's active. It's active. What's that mean? That means that the word of God today contains just as much power as when it was written as when it was originally spoken. You know, we're the ones that have to get that excitement back when we read something or hear something that we've heard before. We're the ones that have to treat it as if it's the first time I ever read it. My gosh, we cannot be in a place that we hear a word or I take you to a, a passage, Genesis 1, 26, Matthew 6, 33, Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. Uh, all of these passages that we look at as a church, those are our, our, our passages for a church. We're founded on those things. And when I go to those, ah, uh, going there again. See, our response can limit the power that the word of God has. It is living. It is active. That means right now, you know, this is the most relevant thing on the face of the planet. It doesn't get any more relevant than this. And God is wanting to show us things that we've never seen before from places that we have visited lived in, been in. I mean, everyone in this room can, can remember the time you've, you've read a verse that you've seen before and, and you have that aha light bulb moment. I never saw that before. Come on, show me your hand. Agree with me right now that you, you've seen that. You've, you, 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 you've had that moment where you've looked at something that's been there the whole time. It's like, my gosh, maybe it came from another pastor or someone else t uh, speaking it to you, but maybe it came in your own devotion and, and the Holy Spirit in the moment, just right there on the inside, showed you something that you never seen before. That's the way God wants his word to be to us every time we open this up. That it has that same weight as if the first time I ever heard it. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. One translation says continually hearing. We've said this before. Faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith is built. And faith comes by continually hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. We have to continually put ourselves in a position that we are hearing the word of God with urgency. See, I, I, I hope today, and I hope that when you come here, that you are receiving the word of God with the same urgency that I'm preaching the word of God. I've spent all week preparing this. How long have you spent preparing to receive it? I mean, the, the moment you get in your car, at least, because you know you're driving somewhere. You know you're coming here. You know what's going to happen. You know we're going to sing some songs. And I'm not pulling any punches. There's no tricks to this thing. You know what we're going to do. We're going to worship the Lord together. We're going to fellowship with one another. And you're going to hear the word of God preached. You know that's going to happen. So prepare your heart to receive and prepare your heart. God, whatever you want me to see today, whatever you have for me today, I'm going to receive it. I, I'm prepared. I'm tilling the ground. I'm making sure that when the seed goes into the soil of my heart, that it receives it and I, I respond with joy and that it's buried in a place where I can recall it and do it. We have that responsibility. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 5. In verse 11, this is an interesting passage. In the New King James, it says it this way, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain. And yeah, there are elements of the word that are hard to explain. There's elements of the word that can be difficult to understand. And I would encourage those that maybe get stumped just don't park there. Keep moving on. There's a lot more in the word than wondering if there were dinosaurs that roamed the earth. Or what kind of horse is Jesus coming back on? Or, or even some other serious questions that people get confronted with. But continue to stay in the word and stay hungry for it. But in this passage, we're addressing actually something completely different. It's not that it was difficult to understand. It was hard to explain. But he says the reason why it's hard to explain is you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And here it is, you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled. So he's not saying that we shouldn't go back to the milk. Amen. Doesn't matter how much meat you've been eating, you still gotta have the milk sometimes. And all the meat eaters can't be saying, oh, I've heard that before. No, you need the milk. But he says we shouldn't stay on milk. 
He says that once you become skilled, you should desire solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use, reason of use, reason of use, application, put into practice, activating the word of God in your life, have their senses exercised, right? Exercise. You can't exercise once and say, yeah, I exercise. Doesn't work. Doesn't work out that way. No, that would be, I did that one time. But to exercise and, and to have senses exercised, you've got to practice it. Reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In the Amplified, it reads this way, concerning this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull and sluggish in your spiritual hearing and disinclined to listen. For though by this time you ought to be teachers because of the time you have had to learn these truths, you actually need someone to teach you again the elementary principles of God's word from the beginning. And you've come to be continually in need of milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a spiritual infant. But solid food is for the spiritually mature whose senses are trained by practice. You know, we have military that goes uh, overseas and they fight for our country. And to do that, they have to receive training. In fact, just to even get into the military, they have what is called basic training. And it's not just one day and it's not just the classroom setting. It's, it is a, a prolonged process to make sure that you have what it takes that when you get into the moment, you are equipped to be able to handle any scenario thrown at you based upon your area of expertise and based upon what you need to know in that moment. You don't learn how to fire a weapon in battle. You are trained to fire a weapon so when you get into battle, you can respond accordingly. And too many of us as believers uh, and too many of us as church folk are waiting until we're in the challenge to begin to put faith into practice and we're misfiring and we're throwing grenades in places and getting people shot and killed and blowing, blowing ourselves up and hurting people rather than helping people because we've never trained, we've never practiced to ever gotten our senses in a place where I in the moment will be able to know what to do we're trying to practice it in the moment. And equipping and training comes in, in practice, ensuring that when the challenge comes, I am well equipped to respond accordingly so I can get the favored result. That's equipping, that's training. And so he's saying here, you're being limited and your equipping is compromised. Why? It's because of a simple response to a word that you've heard before. You've grown dull in your hearing, disinclined to listen with your spiritual ears. See, our listening and our hearing and our receiving of the word of God uh, uh, ha has a major effect on the outcome of our lives. It has a great impact on if we receive the blessing, receive 
healing, receive the promise, the, 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 the word of the Lord to Joshua, you're entering a new season, but do you have the ability to remain in the same instruction that you received before? And so the problem isn't with God speaking, it's with our hearing. And I hear Christians say all the time, I can't hear God, or I wish I could hear God. I wish I could hear God more clearly. It's interesting that we could hear God so well before we got into the kingdom. And now we are believers and we're in the kingdom and now we're struggling with this hearing issue. Because you came into the kingdom because the Holy Spirit prompted you in some way, shape, or form that you were a sinner and you needed to repent and you needed to confess Jesus as your Lord. And you heard that clear as day, no problem. Outside of God. I mean, God has no problem speaking to sinners. Sinners hear God very clearly. They know when they're wrong. God knows how to get their attention. He will knock Paul clear off of his horse to get his attention and to get him out of a lifestyle of sin. But now we come into the kingdom and it's like, God, where'd you go? It's not hearing or it's not that God's not speaking. So we're not hearing. We don't have the same response that we did initially. The revelation, the initial revelation of God's word bore more weight than remembering God's word. In Judges chapter two, we see this play out. So Joshua is a book of conquest and Joshua is a book of going into the promised land. Joshua leading uh, the Israelites and beginning to overtake the promised land. Doesn't happen uh, in one day, doesn't happen overnight, doesn't happen uh, instantly, but now they're beginning to take over this territory and take over this land and beginning to wipe out these enemies and do what they're supposed to do. But then Judges chapter two Judges chapter 2 shows us something that is a little, little disheartening. And starting with verse 8, Judges chapter 2 in verse 8, it says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. So we've got Moses. He dies. Baton is passed to Joshua. Now Joshua is given a command, do as I commanded your servant Moses. Then your way will be prosperous. But now we're at the end of Joshua's life. Joshua dies. He was 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnah, Hariz, in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gaash. In case you want to go visit, there's your location. And when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them, here it is, who did not know the Lord, nor the work of which he had done for Israel. It's been said that we are only but one generation away. One generation away. This is the next generation. We're not even talking about grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-great-great-grandkids. We're, we're talking about 
Papa Joshua has gone on and we have failed to pass down from one generation to the next what God did. What is that? It's the parting of the Red Sea and that's water coming out of a rock and that's the Lord going before us and fighting and defeating the Amalekites and and the Amorites before us. Yeah, you you remember that day, man. We went out to battle. And uh, as as, as long as Moses' arms were held up, I mean, Uncle Aaron was up there. Papa Joshua, he was, he, he was down there on the, on the ground fighting. And when his arms drooped, we started losing that battle. But, but man, they held up Moses' arms. The story was gone. The Ten Commandments being delivered to God's people, gone. Manna, gone. And yeah, for 40 years, God spared us in that wilderness, fed us with birds, bringing us dinner every night. Man, we serve a good God. Not only that, but they didn't pass down the laws, the decrees, the commands. Because see, God's word contains promises, but the promises are on the other side of a command. Contains blessing, but the blessing's on the other side of an action, of an instruction. So the instructions weren't passed down. So he says that the children of Israel went each, or I'm sorry, uh, verse 10, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And they served the Baals, the gods of the very nations that they were to be delivering. Man, it's dangerous to fall in love with what you should be delivering. But that, this is what happens. So what takes place is when we don't give proper weight to remembering the word of the Lord. We despise it. And despising always leads to deception. That you will serve the very thing you should be set free from. When we despise the word of the Lord, we become deceived. Deceived to ourselves. And the the thing about deceived people is they don't know that they're deceived. The thing about deception is you don't know you're in deception. You can't ever confront deception on the outside. You have to confront deception on the inside. Because you tell a deceived person they're deceived and they will tell you, no, I'm not deceived. Well, it's because you're deceived. You're so deceived that you don't know that you're deceived. I'm trying to tell you you're deceived, but you don't believe that you're deceived even though you're deceived. James chapter one shows us this. Have you flip over to James? Okay, if we look at the word today. 
James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Start with verse 21. He says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and what? Receive with meekness the implanted word. What's that mean? It's sown in you. The word's been placed in you which is able to save your souls. Receive the word, how? With meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word. So he says, receive it. It's implanted, it's sown in you, but don't stop there. Be doers of the word and what? Not hearers only deceiving yourselves. It doesn't say the devil deceived them. It says they deceived themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately what? forgets what kind of man he was. But he looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues, 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 continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. See, God is not obligated to bless anything you do. God is not obligated to put his blessing on your plans. God is not obligated to anoint your ideas. No, the blessing comes to the hearer that does what he hears and doesn't become forgetful. See, there's always been this issue, always been this underlying issue of remembering what God has done, remembering what God has said, recalling what God is trying to say. And we see it throughout God's word in John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 14 and verse 26 in the New Living. The, again, these will be on the screen behind me, John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Do we have that? The Father sends the advocate. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything. Remind you. The Holy, one of the, the key jobs that the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer is remind you of stuff. 
Sure, he wants to reveal God's will and God's word to you. Of course, he wants to bring revelation that you've never encountered and never seen. Yes, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will help us understand the scripture and I cannot naturally discern the word on my own. Yes, he will do that. But the word also says, Jesus indicated that the Holy Spirit will come and he will remind you of things that I have said. Paul uh, was very interested in reminders in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 14 and 15 in the New Living says, remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. He begins by saying, remind, remind. Uh, there's another instance where Paul in, the, in his letter to Timothy says that I'm reminding you to stir up the gift that's within you. I'm reminding you that sometimes for you to get to where you need to be and where God is calling you to be, it's not something new that he needs to show you. It's something you need to remember that will get you over. You know what to do. So if you would do what you know, then you would know what to do. Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 12 through 15 in the New Living. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things. He says, I'll always remind you. I'm always going to bring this back up. I'm always going to recall this. I'm always going to tell you stuff you've heard before. I will remind you, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth, you have been taught. My son hates it when I tell him stuff he already knows or tells him to do stuff he's already doing. I'm already doing it. I didn't do it. I, I, I I didn't do that. And then I hate it when he tells me that he's doing what I've already reminded him to do that he's already doing. Maybe I'm just saying it so you don't forget. Maybe I'm just saying it so you don't go down this path of, well, he doesn't call me Pastor Mark, thank God. Get enough of that. Dad, maybe if dad didn't say I had to do it this time, maybe next time I won't have to do it. No, Peter is saying, even though you're doing it, and even though you're standing firm in the truth that you've been taught, it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. By way of reminder, a couple more chapters over, 2 Peter chapter three. 2 Peter chapter three. 2 Peter chapter three and verse one, again in the New Living. Verse one, he says, this is my second letter to you. He's reminded them so much, he's writing a second letter. You ever notice that? First Corinthians, second Corinthians, first Timothy, second Timothy. 
This is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them, I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the holy prophet said long ago. I mean, that's going back to the old T. Old Testament. The original covenant. I want you to remember what the holy prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth, following their own desires. Goes on to say that many will fall away from the faith. You can't fall away from a faith that you didn't once have. I mean, we're talking about people that were in church pews and sang the songs and worshiped and lifted their hands and and they were consistent and they were dedicated, but they fell away without the reminders, without the refreshing. This word remember, this word remember means the act of recalling to the mind. The act of recalling to the mind. I want God's word to bear weight in my life. Worship team, if you come. I want God's word to produce the same power in my life that I know it can produce. It's not one person in this room today that you would disagree that the word doesn't have power. That you would believe that the word is archaic, that you think word is outdated it's just a good book full of stories that doesn't have the power to produce promises in my life because God is the same yesterday today and forever the Bible says that God's word will not return void but it will accomplish that which it is sent to do it says that God's word will never pass away. The flower fades, the grass withers, but my word will remain forever. It was here before you, and it will be here long after you're gone. So I want God's word to produce the power that it promises my life. I want to see the blessings. I want to see the promises fulfilled because he who promised is faithful to perform. But I have to treat God's word as valuable. But I have to give weight to those new revelations. And when God's just coming down and by the Holy Spirit, he says, I just want to refresh your memory. By his stripes you were healed. Just want to refresh your memory. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. I just want to refresh your memory. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I just 
just want you to remember you speak to the mountain and it will be cast into the sea if you do not doubt in your heart but believe you shall have whatever you say I just want you to remember that if you will forgive your brother and you'll get rid of offense that I can move in your life and it will open the door I'm just refreshing your memory I want him to refresh my memory today stand up with me stand up with me sometimes God just wants to refresh our memory God wants us to remember the great and mighty things he's done God wants us to recall to memory when he moved in our lives, when it seemed like there was no way, when it seemed like the path was blocked before me, when he called me and he pulled me out of the miry clay. Some of us have forgotten what it was like to live for the devil. Some of us have forgotten the salvation experience when we recognized that he had a great life for us. When, he, when we learned that we're no longer sinners, just saved by grace, but now we're believers. We've been redeemed. We've been given a promise. We've been given a kingdom. I need to recall to memory sometimes the blessings that have still awaiting me. Just want to refresh your memory. Just want to refresh your memory. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.